Good evening. You are listening to a Rad Religion Broadcasting Premier Podcast TV party tonight. I'm your host, the mandated reporter, and frankly, I'm mortified, Mr. Mark Radelich. And tonight, our favorite show is Disenchantment. Brought to you by the good people at the Ululululu Company, Rough Draft Studios, and Netflix. Disenchantment is an adult animated satirical fantasy sitcom created by Matt Groening for Netflix. The series is Groening's first production to appear exclusively on a streaming service. He previously created The Simpsons, Robert Winfrey's favorite show, and Futurama, less so, for the Fox Broadcasting it's Company. up there. <laughs> Set in the medieval fantasy kingdom of Dreamland, this series follows the story of being a rebellious alcoholic princess. Her naive elf companion, Elfo, not to be confused with Levo, or... <laughs> or the other elves with O's at the end of their name, and her destructive personal demon Lucy in the sky with diamonds. Disenchantment stars the voices of Abby Jacobson, Eric Andre, Nat Faxon, John DiMaggio, Tress McNeil, Matt Berry, David Herman, Maurice LaMoche of Pinky and the Brain, Brain fame, Lucy Montgomery, and Billy West. The uh, show was re renewed for an additional 20 episodes after the first two parts were released they were released on january 15th and the part that we're reviewing tonight season two part four was released on february 9th 2022 i am joined once again for the fourth straight day less ranty today than normal ladies and gentlemen robert winfrey how do you do sir we'll see <laughs> how'd you enjoy your tiktok uh Enjoyed is not the adjective I'd necessarily <laughs> employ. I was there. so mad that that went over three minutes. Like I was really trying the, to like, I, I I had to cut out your whole your whole hour and a half speech about the LA um, housing market. Um, <laughs> to, seriously, to get to though, the, it's awful. To, to get to the meat of your rant, which which was a little depressing, and then I could, and then I wanted to. It, it cut off right end. before I said right before I said it needed to be thrown into a grease trap, set on fire, and then. Right. And then I and then I had the applause for you. And I'm like, I don't have time for this. This went too long. I think yeah. I think next time I'm gonna set a I'm gonna set a timer. You have Please. two minutes fifty-eight seconds. Go. <laughs> Duly noted. And uh speaking of a man who doesn't need three minutes because he can go all night long, ladies and gentlemen, from our Canadian office, it's David Wright. How do you do, sir? I'm doing good, thanks. Why is it always the men in my life that make those comments? <laughs> Listen, it's a it's a dog eat dog because, world, and we're all wearing milk bone underwear. Because that's just how Mark thinks. <laughs> I got. I am all about the big love, David. I love you. I love Robert. I love everybody. Big love coming right to you from Orange Cassidy. All right, um, let's get into disenchantment. When we left season, uh, when we left season two, part three. Um, Bean was in hell. Dagmar was doing some sort of evilness down there with her. Uh, Lucy was dead, and I don't. And Elfo, I guess, was um, held hostage by the Trogs. Or oh, no, right? he, he was he was kidnapped by orcs. Orcs, ogres, ogres. Sorry, starts with O. Orcs, ogres. That's whatever. only mildly racist. 
Species of um, thank you. Uh, it, it, it's it's more appropriate in that setting than specious, but. So, Robert, let's just kind of talk about what we were talking about off air, which is how the show has found itself neatly into a nice pattern, which lends itself to continue for as long as I want to keep doing this or for as long as people are watching. But it definitely is a recognizable pattern of they have to they have to clean up the previous season. Then they start a new mystery. It builds and builds and builds and builds. Everything goes to pieces at the very end and we are left on a cliffhanger. So in terms of just resolving the season, the part two, season three, no, season two, part, season two, part three. It's um, technically part one of season two. It's part three overall. It's listed as part three on the wiki. And this is part four that we're talking about. So cleaning up the season three arc, what did you think of the first few episodes? Uh, The first couple of episodes of this part, I laughed. Like this was some of the funniest stuff I think they produced. Mm Mm-hmm. Everything with Bean in Hell, I thought was kind of a hit. Lucy in Heaven was every bit as hilarious as you hoped it would be. That might that Lucy in Heaven and Zog's sort of you know personal journey might have been my favorite parts of this entire season. But we can just focus on Lucy in Heaven right now. Yeah, because Zog was. Yeah, Zog came a little bit later. They kind of did Lucy episode, yeah, episode and three. Bean. Episode three is where we get to Zog and the cabinet of Doctor Chaz. <laughs> But love is hell, you know, we get to meet some variation on the devil. Dagmar is trying to complete a pact. We get a little bit of more information about this. Dagmar is trying to complete a pact she made with the devil, wherein she promised that the queen of Dreamland would be his bride. And it's convenient enough that she currently has a daughter who she did see promoted to the queen of Dreamland recently. (laughs) So she's trying to marry her daughter off to the devil instead of herself. That gets foiled at the last second because, of course... Um, yeah, Lucy being stuck in heaven, I think, is, again, is the comedic highlight for me. As he's trying to get back to hell, because he wants to save Bean, but, you know, you've been good, and just his interactions with God are some of the best. Like, and Jerry's there, and Jerry's such a wonderful non-sequitur. Yeah, I really, like, you know, so Jerry up to this point, David, has been just a goon, but then in this se- this part of the season, they gave him a very sweet naive but again sweet and enjoyable and character that you kind of want to root for and there are a couple of times throughout the season where jerry really sticks up for himself and and has his own bit of jerry-ish comedy which i really really enjoyed what did you think yeah it's sort of the the journey of jerry is like i think this is sort we've sort of seen what jerry always was was he's a very simple person mm-hmm. but not a bad person it was just in the first season or i think it would be second part where we're introduced to him. We just see him with uh, Bean's aunt and uncle and just how they treat him. Uh, they always put him down and basically get him to do their dirty work. And it's yeah. only when Bean actually treats him as a person and befriends him that, you know, he, we, we sort of see him, you know, have someone else to latch on to. And mm-hmm. I, I think for someone in his position who has had sort of that rough life with, you know, with, with Bean's aunt and uncle, to, to actually get a genuine friend, even though Bean's Becky not and Cloyd. The, yeah, Becky and Cloyd, that was it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a funny name. But but yet so so for him to even have like a, a, a simple friendship with Bean, that I think that sort of meant so much to him that he was able you know, he was willing to you know sacrifice himself for Bean in the start. And then of course he spent the next few parts up in heaven with God who took a real shining to him and you know, and and yeah, to to have it sort of come full circle with him, like you know, now it's my turn to go back and 
and help Bean. And, you know, he's still Jerry. He's still finding his place back on mm-hmm. Earth in Dreamland, or assuming it's Earth. But, yeah, like it was, he, he adds a nice little bit of childish innocence and, uh, yeah, that sort of uh, simple comedy to the show, which was quite nice. He's a good addition to have have in that Dreamland castle environment. I agree. I really, I was rooting for Jerry and he has, he has a couple of really funny lines, but going back to what Robert was talking about, I wanted to, I definitely wanted to touch on Lucy and God. Lucy, <laughs> there's this, so it, it's very Simpson-esque because there's been a couple of times where like they've had Homer and God together mm-hmm. or, um, or on Family Guy, Peter and God. And it's always kind of the same angle, but it works with all of these different characters where God is eternally portrayed as eternally patient but with a sense of humor, you know, the, the, the concept, the religious concept of God loves all his creatures, like, you know, because they are his children. It, it comes across. I think the writers are very deft in handling their writing of God and making him paternal, you know, paternal and friendly and warm. And, and then you have all of these challenging characters, Lucy, Peter, Homer, who are trying to figure out what to make of their relationship with God. And God's just like, it's fine. It's fine. Be, be you. I'm, I have, I'm God. I have big enough shoulders to deal with your insanity. And, and and then, and then in turn, there's a comfort that comes from that to where Lucy is conflicted. You know, you know, yes, he wants to go and save Bean, but you know, he's like, huh, I, I like this warm relationship with God and I'm loath to give it up. Go ahead, Dave. Yeah, well, Lucy's kind of different from Peter and Homer in that he's he's part of that celestial realm. Like he's mm-hmm. he's a demon, and you even see it when he gets up to heaven. It's like, oh, heaven! <laughs> like, 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 like this is kind of like the exact opposite for him. Like, like right. going to heaven is like being in hell for a demon. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, he's seeing him just trying to, you know, fight against all that. You know, like he 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 tears his robes off and throws them away, and then you know he looks back down and he's wearing them, and he's like, ah. Oh. <laughs> they they never stay off. He takes them off, and then he walk. Then we change scenes, and they're back. Yeah. Well, it is a, it is a tacit recognition, isn't it? That you know, here you have Lucy, who really does you know he he, he is that kind of chaotic, neutral character. Yeah. Um, but but, he, but he's not going to have like that sort of conversation. Like, oh God, you know, why do good things happen to bad people? He's like, I'm why good things happen. Bad things happen to good people. I'm a demon. Right. And he and. The very nature of heaven goes against his his own internal nature, and so he's struggling with that, but in a very funny, entertaining way. I have to say, like we, we talk so much about Robert about the terrible writing of television, um, and you know, and the, and there was some really great television in these nooks and crannies throughout the streaming verse. Like Disenchantment might be one of those shows that that just goes over people's heads. They don't they don't know what's out there or how good it really is. Yeah, I I definitely think that's the case. Um, we mentioned this when we reviewed the first part. Anyone expecting the second coming of The Simpsons was really barking up the wrong tree. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is most certainly not that, and I don't mean that as an insult. It's just different. Yeah. And it's very good in its own way, but I think I think this one suffered a bit from it. I mean, Futurama had kind of the same problem when it first launched, if you'll recall. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of people who were very excited about it, but when it wasn't exactly what they thought it was going to be, they struggled with it. And then Eventually, people figured out what you know, the tone of the show and whatnot. But I think Disenchantment might have had a similar problem initially. Oh, it absolutely had a similar problem. Look, The Simpsons was a The Simpsons was wide was wildly relatable and very funny, especially once they figured out that Bart's not the funny one Homer is. Um, yeah. But 
The Simpsons resonates because the American family sitcom is as American as Nancy Reagan and apple pie. And it's something, I mean, we are all, except for Robert, who was born in a pod in a cabbage patch in a van down by the river. Um, <laughs> any, specific. any more of those you want to throw out there? Nope. Um, I've, I've, I've plumb run out for the time being, but if I think of more, I'll add them later. Uh, no, we, we all grew up in families. We all have parents. Um, we all have siblings of some variety. We all, you know, whether you grew up in an urban, in an agricultural or a suburban environment, we all had a place that we grew up. And that was, that's what's portrayed in the family sitcom. And that's what The Simpsons was sending up. Um, Futurama was making fun of science fiction um, to one degree or another. And then this one was making fun of the fa uh, 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 fantasy. And you're not going to get the same level of relatable humor, I think, out of out of something that's very it's very much a specific satire, uh, like Disenchantment. Same same thing with Futurama that you're going to get with The Simpsons. So I just I wanted to address that just because you said that um, you know people struggled with this, and and The Simpsons may have and and in Futurama may have given up on it, you know, before they really gave it a good chance, but. Um, but I think that's why uh, I, I'm, I'm yeah. going a little long here, but I think that's it. It's like everyone just wanted another Simpsons. I'm like, but this isn't the Simpsons. It was never going to be. Yeah, that that's entirely correct. Um, so I get a kick out of those. I mean, our second episode is we finally get the backstory of Elfo mm -hmm. and that he is half elf and half ogre. And we get some decently amusing stuff with his father. We find out. Oh, the we, stuff with the father and his ogre mom is hilarious. Yeah, that's some pretty good stuff. Uh, you know, we find out he's got a half brother. Uh, he monkeys. He again, he gets to meet his mom. He monkeys around with his new family. The Ogre Society gets overthrown. It turns out that gnomes are actually the most bloodthirsty and vicious fantasy race that we have. <laughs> oh, the, the, the gnome war—that was priceless. That was that funny, was, man. That was good stuff. Yeah, they they had some good fun with that. And then at the end of that one, you know, he's reunited. When they get out of hell, Lucy, Bean, and Jerry have to take a separate elevator because they destroyed their one from Dreamland. So they come up in in Steamland, where Alva hems and haws for a bit, and then they steal another airship. They grab Elfo, and then as they're coming back into Dreamland, their airship is shot down again because, of course, it is. Um, David, anything else about the Elfo stuff uh, before we move into the middle part? I got we got to talk about Zog, so yeah, I just want to yeah. make sure that uh, you had nothing else about the Elfo or the Lucy stuff. Yeah, it was good that they answered that question because they've sort of been hinting a bit about Elfo's origins being a bit non-typical for an elf in previous seasons. Uh, I don't really think it sort of really added much to the story. It just sort of answered the question. Yeah, but, which was fine, but yeah, it was it was good. Like we were due for a payoff on that. Yeah, uh, well, like one one criticism I will give the show is it is like the 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 reveals as far as like the big main storyline move at a pace that would make a snail say, "Come on, hurry it up." Yeah, not not for nothing, but like as much as I enjoy Levo and um, the King of the uh, the Elves talking about you know the, the, the very thing. The, the very thing. I, as much as I enjoy every time he says that, I get a little chill. Like, he said the thing. Like, all right, can we just talk? Can we talk about the very, very thing, thing now? Can, yeah. can, can we please reveal what the very thing is? Yeah, it, it, it's been basically four seasons. Like, give, give us some answers here. I did get kind of a kick out of them playing off of that a little bit. Like, mm -hmm. 
there there were a few bits in the uh, of this sh- of this season where the writers are clearly addressing criticism, mm-hmm. uh, and <laughs> to varying degrees of success. But there is a bit where they play around with where the king gets up in front of the elves and goes, "Well, in the castle there is the thing," and Levo goes, "Like yeah, the very thing," and everyone kind of goes, "What?" <laughs> what are you talking about? You know, the very thing. And then something, some other thing stops them from talking about it. But I kind of like that they played around with that a little bit. I One of the things I like about the writing, and I don't know, you know, I think we're, we're all very smart guys, I think. Um, and, and, and we, I think, appreciate well-used language. And so there are parts of this show that are almost rhythmic and song-like. And... This might not be the best example of that specifically, but there is some use of language here that always cracks me up. So like when Levo says the very thing, especially the way that actor does that line reading, it always cracks me up. But later on in the show, and I'm skipping ahead here, but one of the, my favorite things is where they've they've got this goo <laughs> and they're trying to, you know, they're using it to transform um, different beings. And they're, you know, and at one point they're trying to give it to Elfo and then another point, Beans got it, and you see the trogs just like, just like, come on, give him the goo. And every time he said, give him the goo, I started laughing like an idiot. I was like, just something about the way that that actor did that line reading, come on, give him the goo. I would just die laughing every time. Yeah, and, it's so, like, it, and it's like, it's not like it's a very funny joke, but the way he says it is hilarious. Yeah, certainly the, the ability of Groening and the team to write good snappy mm. comical dialogue is is very good you can tell that these guys have been at it for for decades at this point mm. and and it shows um I'm look at the writing team here uh the right okay so it was announced that that rapper oh god rapper briggs was part of the writing team john dimaggio da, 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 I, okay that's too much I, I, let me have a quick look through while you're doing that, let's talk about Zog. Um, uh, okay, here's the here's the writers as they are credited. Mm-hmm. We have Bill Odenkirk, Jamie Agnell, Liz Suggs, Patrick M. Verone, Josh Weinstein, Jamil Salim. I'm probably mispronouncing that. I apologize. He already mentioned Adam Briggs. No, Adam Briggs. Um, Abe Groening, Michael Sykin, Rich Fuller, Matt Groening. Yeah, so you've got a bunch of people here who are pretty good darn good at what they do um so zog so zog went crazy in the last season and then they put (laughs) and they had to tiktok um and they had to uh commit him to an insane asylum and they spend an episode or two dealing with that and when zog starts off in the very first season He's very small-minded. He's almost portrayed as the villain. He's like the main antagonist in the beginning yeah. to Bean. You know, it's it's a very classic conflict of father and daughter, king and princess. You must do the king, the, the princess, the princessy things. And she was like, "No, I will get drunk and run around with loose men, and um, or elves and demons. Same thing, and uh, mermaids and mermaids. We'll get more on that later." And, you know, and Zog is like, but I'm king and everyone's supposed to do what I say. And he's very warlike and he's not a very sympathetic character. By the time we get to this part, Zog is like, yeah, I've been put through the mill. I have had an epiphany. I have also had enough. (laughs) And I don't want to do this anymore. 
And I think one of the highlights of this season is him and like the tacit recognition that he likes being king, but he knows he can't be king forever. And I think he loves his daughter more and he wants her to be happy. So they share leadership and there's still that conflict. You know, he still wants to be very much um, the, the old Testament way of, of running things. And then there's Bean, who's very New Testament, and they are in conflict, but it's sort of a friendly conflict of, well, I, I hear what you're saying, but tyranny? And she's like, yes, I hear tyranny, but what about progressivism? And and they're just kind of sharing, and, and they're mowing along, and it's actually very, you know, it's totes adorbs, Robert Winfrey. It is totes adorbs. I can't tell you how much those are words you should never say. What, totes adorbs? You don't want me to say uh, totes adorbs? That is correct. Those very words. The very words. <laughs> Give them the goo. <laughs> Give them the goo. Uh, most of this comes from episode three, the cabinet of Dr. Chaz. And I'm with you. I, I like Zog a lot. He, you're, you're correct. He starts out as kind of the main stumbling block for Bean. And then by the end of the first part, I, again, one of the episodes that I thought kind of spoke to the quality of the show overall back then was the one where he explains why he wants the elixir of immortality. Mm -hmm. And it's not so he can be king forever, it's so he can unstone his wife. Right. And it, it was, and they've done a great job of humanizing him for the rest of this. I mean, again, the cabinet of Dr. Chaz, he is in the asylum, and it's kind of a medieval asylum, so, you know, not great. <laughs> he escapes... And through digging his way out, so you know, in the uh, kind of exposure therapy school of thought, he faces his fear of being buried alive, digs his way out, and spends some time in a monastery briefly. Mm -hmm. And some just truly kind of heartfelt stuff comes out of that. And yeah, by the time he and Bean reunite, it's really great. And then there's some stuff later with him uh, when he you know, starts to kind of have to confront his loneliness mm -hmm. after... Uh, after Bean starts taking over a bit more of the rulership duties, and after he is cured of potentially turning into a goon, which was an interesting thing, <laughs> uh, he goes back to the woods to try and find the Selkie that he had kind of fallen in love with earlier, and he does, and it turns out, hey, you've got another kid. And <laughs> the stuff with him and his half-human, half-bear son uh is really really good is it not the best stuff of the whole season oh yeah like i mentioned this to you offline but by the time we get midway through the last part here i'm trying to remember exactly what episode that would have been um would have been episode six or so mm -hmm. and give or take yeah so forgive me I forget if I don't keep get going, that Robert. Exactly keep... right. Uh, by the time we get to that point, he is the emotional heart of this show so yeah. much more than Bean is. But by far, let, let let's let Dave cut in here. What did you think of the early Zog stuff getting and then getting into him feeling like he has an he has a third opportunity to be the best father he can be with uh, the bear cub? I'd just like to point out that we've got basically three middle ish men. <laughs> talking about Zog here. So yeah, guess, guess which character we identify with. You know? <laughs> Who's the most relatable character? Clearly Zog. I don't know the, why the guy, we think yeah, that, though. Yeah, 
the guy reevaluating his whole life and his position in the world and legacy, or is it like the teenage girl who's like drinking and partying and going out with, with the guys? Like that was yeah, really, that, that really was really to Lucy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough, but yeah, anyway, uh, yeah. Like Zog, I kind of feel like season one Zog is different. It was different conceptually from Zog of later seasons, uh, not just due to character development, but also like season one, I think it was established that he basically, he killed his way to the throne. Like he, he took yeah. it by force. Very, very sort of Robert Baratheon and like yeah. Robert Baratheon. It's sort of, you know, like, like the best days of his life were fighting for the throne, but then the mm-hmm. worst thing to ever happening to him was he won and yeah. actually had to be a king. Good old Alexander the Great. He sat upon a rock and weep that he had conquered the world and there was no more world left to conquer. Yeah, though that I think that's a bit too too fancy and highfalutin for uh, for this podcast. <laughs> but yeah, that sort of thing. And then and then in later seasons they sort of introduce this thing like no, like he's part of this long royal line that has been you know ruling Dreamland and there's some nefarious deeds in the past and curses they're, and whatnot. Yeah, they're all cursed somehow. Yeah. yeah uh, so that kind of then changed. They, then they reference that late, like Bean references is like, oh, like oh, another curse. Get in line. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I think he sort of found that. Uh, yeah, it was, it was nice for him to sort of have all that stripped away from him and sort of come back to the basics. That you know, what matters most to me is like my family, especially Bean and mm-hmm. supporting her, and you know, that's sort of my my legacy. They don't really go down the legacy rabbit hole, but you know that that kind of feeling and. Uh, like, like he does kind of start to backslide as as the season progresses. Like he's still kind of a bit old Zog, but I think it's getting back to uh, what you said earlier about him not being the king. I think he he likes the authority of being king. You know, he mm-hmm. gets to tell everyone what to do, and they do it. You know, he wants warm slippers. He gets warm slippers. Anyone upsets him, he throws a rock at them, and they die. And there's nothing anyone can do about it. Right. You know, like it, it's the actual like having to govern and administer a kingdom and deal with all the people and keep the rebellions down. That's more where Bean is like, you know, I want to go and I want to help the people. I just want you know everyone to tell me their problems and I'll do everything I can to to solve them. Yeah, which he has no patience for. Um, it, it's there's a really funny scene once I can't again reinforcing what... the classical conflict between conservatism and liberalism. <laughs> It really does, right? Um, I mean, again, it's reduced I, to a very, very base kind of sound. Yeah, this is like very, very basic shallow, but yeah, I, I see your point. I, look, you, if you've anyone... got Zaga wants to rule, and you've got Bean who's like, oh no, it turns out our castle used to belong to the elves, and it's built on the it's built on the ruins of an older castle, and what do I do with all my inherited guilt? I know everyone in the world can come and tell me their problems, and I will fix them individually, and then she very, very quickly becomes disillusioned by that prospect. <laughs> And driven slightly mad. Um, there's, a, there's a part midway through, which is gross, by the way. This whole episode was gross, but it, it bears some talking to, especially, you know, in terms of, <clears throat> of the philosophical conflict between Zog and Bean. But whatever the, what were the name of the sea creatures that were basically underwater trogs? Oh, they're they're sea trogs. Okay. So the... What do so you expect when you're expecting parasites, episode six in particular? Yeah. So they go, so they, they, they get dragged down by the, into the Trog Kingdom, and the whole time Zog is there, you know, this is one of those, and I can't remember where else I've seen this sort of similar thing. Uh, might might have been Alf, it might have been something else. I know Alf played around with this idea of gold and silver and, like, precious metals are not valuable, but, like, you know, cotton balls are, that sort of thing, toilet tissue. Uh, similar thing here, where the Trogs have all of this treasure, 
and they're like, oh, it's what the pirates leave behind when their ships sink, you know, but they have no use for it. They have, they have that this is not what's valuable to them. So they just have it all lying around. And Zog's like trying to rob them blind. And there's and there's Bean going, it's theirs. It doesn't matter if they don't think it's valuable. Like, can we not can we not steal from people just once? Which I thought was it was, I thought it was like a funny conflict between the two of them because Zog's natural impulse was to loot. And Bean's like, no more looting. This is why we this is why we can't have nice things, you know, in a nice democratic kingdom. And then Zog kind of correctly points out, look, they don't want it. They're not using it, and they're probably going to try to kill us. Yeah. yeah. At, which, at which point Bean goes, no, we are going to be open to new cultures, and then it turns out, yeah, you're all just incubators for our babies. Is, and is that not like a bit like an – like, I don't want to go off on a, on a total tangent here, but is that not the conflict that, that happens among uh, – political societies you know it's just like we need to leave the cultures we need to let the african women have their vaginas mutilated or and i'm just gonna throw this out here we don't because that's brutal and awful okay i hear what you're saying is that it's their culture and we shouldn't tell other cultures what to do but maybe some things are universally brutal and we should stop them i'm just saying that that's that's one debate and it's funny that this is the show that that pinged for me, that, that, that idea, you know what I mean, Robert? Yeah, but it's a, again, it's a smartly written show. And I, mm-hmm. it's one of the things that I deeply appreciate about uh, the, the kind of deftness that this show handles this fundamental mm-hmm. conflict with. There are times when both of them are right. And there are times when both of them are wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, is Zog being a bit greedy and you kind of have to go knock it the hell off? Sure. Right. Is being overcompensating by going, no, we, I don't feel like I should judge your culture at all until you try to kill me. <laughs> yeah. Like, she, no, you're overcompensating. Stop that. Be a little bit more pragmatic. Mm-hmm. And somewhere in the middle, it all kind of works. And they might eventually get there. They might not. I mean, this is the same kind of conflict that Freckles, the puppet, starts <laughs> pinging when he, when he starts trying to break them apart as co-rulers of Dreamland. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to talk about Freckles in just a minute, but before we do, um, anything else about Zog and Bean and that whole thing, David, before uh, I go into a plug, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, say no more? Uh, not that I can really think of. I mean, I think overall it, it's quite well written. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, you know, when you have a product that's well written, I don't know if you know this or not, uh, if you need a product that could use some better writing, you know what you should product you should use there, David? Uh, Grammarly? You guessed correctly. For you listeners of TV Party Tonight, Grammarly is offering a free download of the Grammarly software. Grammarly's AI-powered products help people communicate more effectively. Grammarly helps you write mistake-free on Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and nearly anywhere else you write on the web. Grammarly corrects hundreds of grammar, punctuation, and spelling mistakes while also catching contextual errors, improving your vocabulary, and suggesting style improvements. To download Grammarly today, go to getgrammarly.com slash w2mnetwork. Again, that's getgrammarly.com slash W2M Network to download Grammarly for free. Yeah, can we talk about freckles now? Because holy cow. (laughs) I could... I want to stick with you for a second, David, and then I'll I'll go to Robert. But I I, I don't think I fell asleep on the show. I'm pretty sure I was awake for the whole thing. I still couldn't figure out what the hell, other than, you know, the obvious of he was, you know, he was causing conflict within all the characters and he was clearly gaslighting at times. I couldn't figure out what the end game for Freckles was, or what what the ultimately what the, his goal was with all of this. Just that, or, or was he just causing random mischief? 
Yeah, I completely forgot if Freckles was established in the previous season. I remember Zog was, Bond was a puppet, but I like was there I, some part I where be- he was. I believe someone. he was. Yeah, he was. I believe he was sent by Becky and Cloyd at some point. Okay. Now he seems to have grown beyond his original programming by the time this part ends, but that was the original intent. Yeah, I think I think it was in part was to to spur along the thing like their their ambition, the very, the very thing. Yeah, to find the very thing. <laughs> uh, but yeah, after that, it kind of just you seem to be out for for number one. Hmm. The uh, the part where he he pays the uh, the, the elves to mess with uh, whoever and uh, yeah. that Derek that and whole exchange was funny. He was just like, "Yeah, what is it? You ever you ever play lead pipe or whatever?" Uh, <laughs> what was it? It was something to do with like uh, wooden boards or something. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to yeah, that was one. Just one of those really stupid things. It, yeah. They did it twice. They did it once with the board, and then they did it with the lead pipe, but they cut yeah. away from it before uh, before anyone could really use the pipe. Uh, which yeah, is funny Because sec- the second time, he actually convinces uh, Derek and Jasper that they killed one of these poor saps. Mm-hmm. And you now you have to go on the run. You think that, like, hitting a, a, a sentient, like, well, not sentient, but you know, like, a, like a super intelligent bear about equal size to you with a board might not be the best idea. Um, yeah, so Freckles was, I mean, in terms of like creating villains for them to deal with and, you know, um, and everything else, I thought Freckles was sufficiently evil and he, he does some really, really fun things. He's a funny character. I just couldn't figure out like what the point of any of it was other than yeah, we need, we need more a- hurdles here. There's a real lack of direction when it comes to Freckles. That's a, that's a real problem. I mean, you get some decent material out of him, but mm-hmm. there you're correct. That's mostly directionless. Okay, I, was, I thought I missed. I thought I missed something there. Um, so other stuff that happens, Robert. Uh, I'll turn it over to you. What else do you want to talk about in terms of what happens on here? Because I'm kind of out of. Ideas uh, let's take a quick look through this. Okay, there's a couple of things. Um, again, we went over Zog discovering he has another son and him mm-hmm. trying to get Derek and Jasper to bond a little bit. And again, that's all really good stuff. Oh my God, De- Derek, this might be my favorite Derek season. Like now that he's not like a whiny fop, you know, and, and like he has a really, co- he has a couple of really funny lines mm-hmm. on the pirate ship. Like when, when we first see him and Una together and he, and she said, she's criticizing him about something. He's like, no, I have scurvy. I laughed hard at that. <laughs> that one, one got me. You've been on a pirate ship for, you know, three and a half minutes, but sure, you've got scurvy. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Um, the bits where uh, the episode Spy versus Spy versus Spy, where Elfo is recruited to first spy on the elves by the humans, then to spy on the humans for the elves, and then to spy on the trogs. Yeah, spy on the trogs for the elves, and then spy on the humans for the trogs. Because he keeps getting caught really quickly every time he yeah. tries to... And is immediately then recruited to be a double agent. So yeah. yeah, like by the time the Trogs, he's like, "Look, just just so you guys know, like I've I failed every time." <laughs> yeah, we, you get some pretty decent comedy out of that. You get the revelation that the elves and the Trogs are the same species. Um, we... Trogs are what happens when the elves drink the goo and they are not worthy. Right. I, that does bring up Elva, Elfo this season because Elfo always gets kind of the the short end of the stick. You know, he's. Always picked on by Lucy. He's just sort of eternally friends on by Bean. Except for Mop Girl. Yeah, he he's just always kind of uh, the character yeah, that gets, gets picked on. He's like Meg from Family Guy. He gets a lot of abuse this 
in in a few of these episodes, but I liked how they paid it off. Like he's he's not just there to be the punching bag. Well, no, that's what I was going to say. Like this season felt like finally he was standing up for himself. Yeah. You know, he he's still a very sex 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 positive character, sex driven character, which I always find funny because he's just like the little short green dude. But, you know, he has a really couple of like funny like lines throughout this thing. And there's I think at one point like Beans giving him a hug and, you know, and he kind of like leans into it. And she's like, all right, that's enough. Um <laughs> When he has to try it, when he's the one who has to decide which is good bean and which is evil bean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, he, and, and his, it's kind of, it, this is one of those things that I know they'll pay off a little bit later, but mm-hmm. it's heartbreaking because he goes, his test is, okay, do you love me? Mm. And evil bean, who's just trying to manipulate him, goes, you know, of course I love you. And yeah, that's what I thought. And then he tosses the sword to the correct bean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like they, I feel like they've made Elfo a more, not refined, but a more fully formed character. And I mean, Elfo had the some... Bu- not just the butt of jokes. Yeah, the previous part, he had some stuff that genuinely kind of hit me in the feels. Like uh, when mm-hmm. he tries to formulate a relationship with the head in the jar. Mm-hmm. And then finds out that's all based on a lie. And like, there's that whole bit where they're on the boat trying to get back to Dreamland and it, and it breaks down. And he starts fixating on the boat as his new relationship. Right. And again, some of it's played for laughs and some of it certainly hits, mm-hmm. but there's this undercurrent of you know, the human condition that goes into that. That's genuinely kind of gut wrenching at times. For sure. Um, David, talk to me about Elfo this season. Uh, yeah, I, I was more neutral on Elfo this season. Hearing you talk about it makes you realize, that, okay, he has had a bit more, more development. It was, mm-hmm. yeah, for Elfo it was for me, it was mostly just, you know, learning about his mom, learning he has a half brother. We sort of you know close the chapter on that, and then you know back to back to palling around with Lucy and Bean, and you know being uh, being more comic relief, which is fine. He's good at it. Mm-hmm. There's just... a, there's a sequence in episode nine, I think, where Bean is trying to get them all to do the pal around thing. Let's go get drunk. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it can be like, and both Lucy and Elfo tend to kind of pull back. Like, you know, we. No, like that's not where we are anymore. We can't just keep doing the same thing over right. and over again. I want to go back and talk about Bean. Um, I know, I, Robert. I was like, "What do you want to talk about?" But I, I, we're we're All right. I know to, how this works. We're running close to forty-five <laughs> minutes, so I want to get this out, and then I'm then I literally am just going to let you two take over guiding the discussion for the remainder of the hour. But Bean always struck me as asexual for the at least the first full twenty-episode season. Um, I don't remember when they started toying with her queerness, but um, this one they kind of full on leaned into it. Uh, it uh, hasn't really been I, explored. It's definitely they're definitely pointing at it, but they're pointing at it like this. <laughs> you know, they are they are pointing at it from less than a foot away. They have they've studied the Randy Savage school of pointing, and that's kind of how that's the <laughs> amount of nuance they have for this. Uh, I, I think your read on her as asexual was wrong. I mean, I, I can get why you might feel that way, but that was never my read. Okay. Um, when we meet she just, her, she's not interested in men and or women. When we meet her, she, just, hang on. When we meet her, she's not interested in being married to this guy against her will. Okay. Yeah, I think there's some indication that, uh, sorry to cut you off, Robert. There's like an indication that she was interested in men. It's just Zog had anyone that, you know, even made the slightest yeah. mm-hmm. move or, or perception of a move, had them executed. 
don't yeah, know. She, I, she, I get the impression she's bi. It's kind of my read on it. And she's just really connected with the mermaid in this case. Yeah, I, and that's fine. I I guess where, where the asexual thing for me came in was they never, because she's so much running from the prince and her responsibilities and, you know, she has these two best friends in Lucy and Elfo. But again, they're, they're just her buddies and she doesn't see them in a sexual way. Elfo clearly sexualized her. And, Lu- and, 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 and Lucy almost has like an asexual quality about him too. Which well, is real, which, well, okay, but the, the, I'm going to regard them as people for the purposes of this discussion, you know. And so Lucy is not interested in being in any kind of sexual way or anybody else for that matter. He's there as sort I'd of an agent double, of chaos. I'd have to double check that. I think there's a couple of times when he has, uh, when Lucy has, you know, indicated his preferences it's never okay. really come up but i th- i could swear there have been times when he's done the thing well he definitely i love the over the course of four parts of this they've talked about like the, everyone keeps calling him a cat and he's like damn it i'm not a cat i'm a demon and this one he went full cat he like at one point he's like laid in bean's arms and she petted his uh, his belly and he purred which yeah. I thought was rather adorable it was totes adorbs the very thing um <laughs> I mean, Lucy gets some good comedic mileage out of his head falling off because yes. it was technically detached. And <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess just to sort of round round up that discussion, I feel I guess that where where I got the asexual thing was she. I don't know now 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 that I, now that I'm thinking about it, the one season where she goes to Futureland or whatever it's called, Steamland, and she's Steamland, and she's very much interested in men there. But, you know, adventure awaits and pushes her forward. So she she never has any time to reflect on whatever love interest she might ha- might have or have uh, or not have. And that seems to be a running theme here is that she never really has any time to fall in love yeah. with anybody. She's running from, you know, one death trap to the next. Well, I think so, it's kind of like the, uh, the Elsa issue where, you know, like everyone's like, oh, you know, Elsa, you know, the first, you know, Disney, you know, like uh, LGBT princess. Right. Yeah. It's just like, I mean, maybe, but it's like, well, the thing, <laughs> well, they're like, you know, why, when did, why she did she have time to fall in love with anybody? She was turning everyone to ice. Yeah. It was like, you know, well, why didn't, why didn't they give her like a female love interest? Like, well, cause her arc in that movie was not about finding love. It was about coming to terms with her mutant snow powers. Yeah. Right. Right. Frozen three, we can work on that. Right. Yeah. The, the same given, thing with like uh, Captain America and why they didn't have him go gay what? for Bucky. Like, he was busy fighting the Second World War. <laughs> so, priorities. So it's kind of like, you know, being kind of. I mean, and look, Haley Atwell. I mean, <laughs> sure. Um, look, I, I am all for, and I don't want to, and I don't want to drive the discussion completely into the ditch with this. Let me say what I need to say. I am all for representation where it fits mm-hmm. organically. The give Elsa a girlfriend thing where it didn't fit organically, that's not what that movie was about, drove me up the wall. And it's not because I didn't want her to have a girl. Look, in, in like you said, Frozen 3, you know, D- uh, Elsa does Dallas. Fine. Give her all the girls. Have a lesbian gangbang for all I care. But can we please? Well. <laughs> can we please keep things focused on what the actual story is about? And, you know, in terms of further characterization, that's all I'm saying. And to the to that same point, uh, to bring it back to this show, mm-hmm. I think it does fit here. You know, Bean's very much a person who doesn't 
know exactly what she is, who she right. wants, what she wants out of life, etc. Mm-hmm. So the fact that she'd engage in experimentation to one degree or another, and hey, this was really nice. You know, the, the time she spent with the mermaid was easily the most emotionally romantic stuff that we've seen out of her at all. It's also, so, it's also, if you ever talk to, if you ever talk to girls, those who have experimented with other girls, they all say like to one degree or another. And again, don't want to go off on a tangent here, but to one degree or another, I think, you know, women will talk about, yeah, they've all, you know, exploration happens. It feels nice. Sex feels nice. Um, and I, and I think they're more, more in tune to try it with, with other women than other men are for a variety of sociopolitical, emotional, sexual reasons. Um, so again, being being you know being being kissed by a mermaid and her just rolling with it worked for me, and not not because I was yeah. like turned on by it, but it made sense characterization wise. Yeah, and again, I, I'm with you. You know, as long as it fits, mm-hmm. knock yourself out, man. I, you, know, you and I are on the same page when it comes to. My issue is when my issue with representation is always when it's when it feels checklisty. Yeah. Like, okay, we must have here's a check, here's a check, yeah. here's a check. The token black guy, the token gay, you know, make 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 sure that Zach Braff says something about black people that's nice and cheaper by the dozen, that sort of thing. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but but again, you get the point. Like if they if it if this felt inorganic, I'd be happy to call it out as such. It yeah. actually feels quite true to the character. Now, again, whether mm-hmm. she stays with the mermaid or not going forward. Who knows? I'll tell you that is one of the one things I. They spent so long on some other stuff that they're, and I guess they're saving the mermaid thing for another season if there is another another season of this. But I, w- I wish I wish we had gotten more exploration of her and the mermaid this season. But again, it's hard to know. Like like, be patient. It's coming. The dragons are coming. It's fine. Okay, but you you hinted at this thing. You you played with it a couple of times over the course of ten episodes, and then. You know, I, I was left with sort of storyline blue balls, and I'm like, well, what if we don't get more of this? What if it's like the glaze and it just ends, and she she went away with the mermaid? We don't know what happened. Well, um, then, at which point, it's just whatever you think happened happened. Okay, that, that, well, me and you will then write some slash fiction. It'll be fine, Robert. I would I cu- never ever <laughs> co-write with you that kind of material. I understand. Um, I cut you off. Get, uh, you're, you're, we're, we're starting to run on time here. So what else do you want to talk about? And then, Dave, what do you want to talk about? I think the last thing would just be the end of the of this particular part when Bean drinks the goo. <laughs> she got the goo. She did, in fact, get the goo. <laughs> was not given to her by Elfo. No, 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 no. She gooed herself. Uh, and one of the things this winds up doing is the goo is supposed to help whoever is the fabled hero of the elves slash trogs. I think mm-hmm. the trog ruler priest, whoever you want to call, it, he said that like, you you get what you, you get what you deserve, or it gives you what you deserve. Mm-hmm. Something to that effect. And in Bean's case, this brings to life her evil side, mm-hmm. and she winds up fighting herself in her dreams, trying to gain a better handle on her powers. Uh, which continue to develop a little bit. She eventually overcomes her evil self, but the head of her evil self winds up in the clutches of her mother, who is now the queen of hell. Yeah, in retrospect, that wasn't the best double-cross idea. 
Really wasn't. Like, she did not de devious mother, Megmo maniacal mother. Yes, I'm going to wed her to the devil in my place so she can become queen of hell. That's not going to come back to bite anyone. <laughs> I'm sure not. And, and we end again, as, as somewhat predictable as you guys have mentioned with uh, with these things, we end on a cliffhanger. Um, in this particular instance, again, Bean is dragged back down with Dagmar to face Satan. Uh, Dagmar shoves Bean into the ocean, where she uh, where she is picked up by the uh, mermaid. Zog and oh, what's his face? His three eyed. Oh, uh, Oddfall. Oddfall. Zog and Oddfall go to Steamland to try and rescue Derek and Jasper, who have been sold to the circus by Freckles. Yeah, because because puppets are evil. Well, that one is at least. All As puppets know. are evil. Yes. Yeah, have, have we have we not watched horror movies? Come on now. I, I can't. Are you the works of Jerry Anderson. No, I'm just going with puppets are evil. Look, any t if any puppet ever even remotely comes to life, whether or not it's my psychosis or reality, I'm burning it. <laughs> Robert's coming out swinging. D there's no point in pulling your punches with those things, man. They're just <laughs> evil. Okay. Please move find on. Yourself, you find yourself in a narrative with that. It, look, if you, I've said this before. If you ever think you're in a world other than your own, for whatever reason, stay away from Antarctica. Doesn't matter what the world is. You go there, bad things are going to happen. Look, I'm begging you. <laughs> Please move on. Oh, you don't think my discussion of this is totes adorbs? No, what you're saying. spreading. <laughs> oh, so, lucky. So we end on, again, we end on this uh, bit of a cliffhanger with uh, Bean potentially going off with her girlfriend, Elfo and Lucy a little bit in limbo. Uh, and uh, I forget exactly what they were doing. And it kind of, it's kind of annoying me now because they had a really nice thing, actually. Mm -hmm. there, there was something they were doing at the end. It, it, did, it did kind of leave I them in peril. I was like, were they were they not also in the circus, or, or, or that was just Derek and the bear? We've already done. Uh, Elfo goes to the is kidnapped by the freak show. Yeah, okay, I think it right. was. I think it was just Derek and the bear. It might have been Freckles too. The the carny might have double crossed yeah. him. So those three are there. Jet, um, Oddval and Zog are trying to rescue them. There was something uh, else. Oddval's in, Oddval's in the freak show. Zog was left behind because Oddval right, has right. eyes. Jasper's a bear. Um, and the, the Derek's awkward enough. Yeah, Derek's awkward enough, and he's like half fish person. Um, and so uh, Zog and Steamland is something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we get to see Zog and Steamland. Oh, and, and we also discover that uh, Jasper's mom is still alive. Yep. Yeah, that was the other thing. But yeah, I can't remember what Lucy and. Uh, yeah, there and was Elf there was some other cliffhanger related to them. I, I just can't remember off the top I think, of my I think head. I think they might have been kidnapped by Trogs. Trying to remember. It's entirely possible, at least one of them. Uh, Lucy right. might have wound up back in a bottle. Anyway, not very memorable, that All part. Right. Bear confront, yeah. Bean confronts her dream time version of herself with the help of her friends. I'm Bean looking at the wiki, too, and it doesn't say <laughs> specifically. That's why I'm struggling with it. Okay. Damn it. Maybe, um, maybe they didn't have time to give them a cliffhanger. Could have been. And then again, we get a post credit scene where Dagmar is sitting on the throne beside Satan and has Bad Bean's severed head, and she gives the audience kind of a knowing, evil look. My, one of my favorite things about this season is being manipulating the devil like a girl does. Is like, but there, there was some fun to be had with the men in the room, in the writers' room, with that, and maybe even the women too. They're like, you know how awful women can be. Yeah, let's do that. 
Let's but do it's all... being in the devil. Let's do it to the literal devil. Yeah. Well, I like the bit where after that's Dagmar and the devil come up the elevator, he's he just like hugs her and he whispers to you, he's like, help me get away from your mom. <laughs> like, yeah. Not even I... the devil can stand you. Did... Dagmar has really grown on me as a villain the longer this goes on. I think she's mm -hmm. one of those characters that they're doing a great job of developing in the right way. Again, she's a she's a villain. She's not here to be cheered. Right. But you still can give your villain three dimensions. And I think they've done a great job kind of slowly revealing more and more about her over the course of this of the show that we've got thus far. She's really again, she's risen in my esteem quite a bit as far as your television villains go. She's not someone to be trifled with. She's not someone that's easily put off of her goals. She's very intelligent. Yeah, and she's Ruth, really mean to. She's really mean to Bean, but I, mean, I but mean in like that. the the wicked stepmother or you know, like the stepmother from Tangled kind of a way. She, she is mean to Bean in the way that women are mean to each other. No, totally, and I love it. I'm there for it. Yeah, David, it's it's very well done. I, mm -hmm. I Dagmar has really grown on me. All right, David, I'm gonna give you last licks here. Anything else you want to talk about before we close out for the night? Yeah, well, they they. Give a bit. They flesh out a bit more that something in the past happened with basically all the magical races. Yep. Yeah, like there was some big war: elf, mermaid, gnome, human. Yeah. We don't know who started it, who finished it, who was good, who was bad, who was even on what side. Um, like like Bean seems to have adopted that. You know, humans just slaughtered the elves and took their took their land, seeing as Dreamland Castle is built on. On the elf castle ruins. Yeah, the immediate assumption of guilt. Uh, yeah, another and, and, and another liberal thing. To, to lay it on thick, too. But, <laughs> but yeah, like we kind of know that, okay, we don't have the full picture here. We have a bit more of the picture, but you know, we still don't know exactly what, what was going on here. Uh, so for, for me, a lot of it's I do kind of wish, like, we need that sort of, to put it in Attack on Titan terms, we need to get to the basement. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 you, yeah. You, Teased and teased and teased and teased. And, you know, yes, it's good to tease and do a slow reveal, but at some point you actually have to pay it off and like, oh, okay, this is what's going on. And wow, okay, this this changes things. We are now in a new chapter of the show. Because, like, yeah, my only real complaint is it, it is a real sna snail's pace when they're going for this whole overarching plotline thing. You need you need to kind of pay things off and establish new status quos and, and continue that way to sort of keep it engaging. But th that being said... Like for 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 all these complaints, I like disenchantment does ask make you ask the most important question any film, story, movie, TV show can ask, and that is what happens next. You know, you want to see what where where does this go. Uh, but yeah, as for season finales go, I thought this one was a bit underwhelming compared to the previous season. Where yeah, you know, that last one was an added, over cliffhanger. Yeah, whereas this one, it's like, okay, you know, Bean's finally back with her 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 mermaid girlfriend, and you know, oh, that's that's nice, good for them. And then, okay, Dagmar and Satan are running Dreamland now. It's like, okay, well, I mean, this this happens all the time. It's <laughs> Dreamland's been conquered, granted, not by like the literal devil and queen of hell, but still, I mean, it's Becky, like, and, Becky and Cloyd it. were running it when uh, when everyone gets back, like because Zog's interred, and then Bean is. Again, fighting her way out of hell. While while all that's going on, Becky and Cloyd show up and run Dreamland. For yeah, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm more curious about what happens at the at the freak show where you have Freckles hoisted by his own petard, and you know maybe he might have a bit of a change of heart about how he's been living his life, and 
you know, dog and Steamland, I think is, yeah, that could be really interesting. And actually one complaint I would also give is there's not a whole lot of Steamland here. We don't really get to learn much more about what's going on there. We, we know apparently there's something going on with hell and, uh, and Steamland, but that's, that's about it. So hopefully we get maybe a bit more there, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was a decent season. Some, some questions were answered. You know, a lot of gags were, were said the dialogues sharp so, and all. There were so many good elf gags this time around. Like the, um, they kept trying to queue up Shaco and then Shaco would just not be queued. Yeah, I, I like, uh, you know, Blavo, we're going to have to, we're going to have to arrest you for hearing the reason. Why do you even invite me to these things? <laughs> yeah, you beat me to it. I was like, like, maybe you should just stop inviting me. <laughs> that was really good. Uh, uh, yeah, Mop Girl seems to be, or I think Mary is her, her name. She's she's become more of a. Mm -hmm. Bunty a, had a really had a couple of really funny lines too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you're, you'll be the first up against the wall when the revolution comes, or something. <laughs> like, so like, well, there was a really good one from her husband, the executioner. Like Bean is running down some one. Somebody's running downstairs and takes his axe away from yes, him. Yeah, then then, then the and guy then the guy he's about to execute. He looks all hopeful for a second. He pulls out a small hatch and goes, don't know what you're smiling about. This is only going to take longer. Yeah, he, he had some good lines. And, and him being the substitute teacher at the, at the school. <laughs> yes. It's like, I executed your teacher. Her last words were, turn to page 56. <laughs> yeah, there, was some, there was some good stuff there, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah the show definitely has its moments. All right. Well, you know, we're, we're at the hour mark here. I think the one thing that the show is missing is some really, really good music. Uh, I like the know, medieval I, of, uh, of classic rock songs in the trailers. In the trailers, sure. But in the show, not so much. Um, you know, I like the opening theme. But, uh, you know, it's got a nice little head bop to it. And again, mm -hmm. it cues into the mute. Uh, the right. medieval but, but again well, you but, get into yeah. the show and the show is almost bereft of any kind of music it's almost all it's almost all unaccompanied dialogue and i think the show could use a little bit of especially during more heartwarming scenes it could use a little bit of music and do you know david wright where you can find music to accompany some of these dialogue driven scenes in this animated feature or would it be on amazonmusic.com it would be on amazonmusic.com and we are having and we are giving away a free 30-day trial of the Amazon Music Unlimited service. Go to getamazonmusic.com slash W2M Network. There is a link conveniently provided in this podcast. The very the very podcast. Not in the description the below. Podcast. That's the very thing. Uh, so go ahead and click it. Get your free 30-day trial on us. All right. Uh, with that said, that wraps up our week here. We're going into the weekend. Everybody's working for the weekend. Tomorrow... Je Big time, Jesse Starcher continues his solo part with the source material. He's got, he did something like some flip book uh, promotional thing that he looked at Spider Man and the Orkin Man. Uh, so that's going to debut tomorrow. Orkin Man, the hero of phase five. <laughs> right? Um, Orkin Vision. Uh, on Saturday, we have a re airing of the very last of the 411 Music Zone podcast before it officially became the Metal Hammer of Doom. Uh, this is Fintroll. The album is Bloodsvept, and it's from like 2013, I think it was. Um, and then you know all of the the all of the four the ones that were titled 401 Music Zone podcast will have been uploaded to this, and we'll start working on some of the newer um, some of the uh, 
2014 to 2000, I think 17 that haven't made it to this feed yet over the course of the next year or so. On Sunday, we have a re we have re-airings of the following. Um, we have our 1995 Oscar debate between Forrest Gump and the Shawshank Redemption. Um, Robert has like every almost every day next week. There isn't everyone loves a bad guy for one reason or another. We've got one on vampires, one on Dracula, um, and then in like a three or four day run of wrestling, starting with the 80s, then the 90s, then the Attitude Era and ruthless aggression, and then finally the finale that ends in 2014. In addition to which, uh, we will also be doing an alternative commentary Saturday night, uh, Sunday morning ish for Mikel Burkelt versus uh, Jeremiah Nakatia on uh, Top Rank Boxing on ESPN. That'll be myself and Dan Lasby. Um, allegedly, there's going to be a source material for Morbius, the Living Vampire, with uh, Jesse and Chris Armstrong. In the evening, myself and the Protocol son, Jason Teasley, will be doing a triple feature for Fresh on Hulu, The Adam Project, starring Ryan Reynolds on Netflix, and No Exit, also on Hulu. Um, then Damn You Hollywood is yet another split review of streaming movies. This is just myself and Robert. We'll be talking Deep Water. The Are you ready for some sexual tension, Robert Winfrey? Some sexual drama between uh, Ben Affleck and the Hispanic chick he stars in the movie with in Deep Water? I want you to try and pronounce her name. I don't remember. Armada Amis? Armistad? Amistad? Keep going. This is amusing. <laughs> Arnold Palmer. What's her name? Eh, I'll let you look it up later. Oh, God's sakes. Okay. Anyway, Ben Affleck's in a new, in a new sexy movie. Are you, my, my, question you is, my question is, are you excited for this? Are you excited for sexy Ben Affleck? Given how red you are in the face, I guess not as much as you. <laughs> Whatever, I have high blood pressure. Um, so we can't be all as pale as you, you zombie. I imagine that Ben Affleck gives you high blood pressure. Sure. <laughs> sure. Um, anyway, and then the other one is Windfall from Netflix. If I can move this tired bit on. Um, Wednesday, we have our wrestling trivia, which Alexa stepped off because she did not know enough about wrestling to want to be a scorekeeper. Um, so instead, my wife stepped in and her and her sultry voice, she she got all the boys paying attention to her and they loved every bit of her. So you can see Pat Mullen, Gavin Napier, Leonard Hayhurst and um, Bill Yankovy from that wrestling show, uh, all doing their best to uh, do wrestling trivia with Jesse and my wife. That was fun. Saturday uh, in the evening, myself and Jesse and Robert will be doing uh, a review of Randy Savage's Be a Man, his rap album that kicked off our WrestleMania coverage. Um we are up to chapter nine. Finally, 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 Marvin Hagler, Marvin Hagler, Marvin Hagler versus Sugar Ray Leonard. The fight that he had been gunning for for years. We will talk about it. Chapter nine. And then Friday night, we will have um, a re-airing of our uh, Metal Hammer of Doom for The Haunted, Strength in Numbers. The aforementioned Everyone Loves a Bad Guy for the 80s wrestling boom. And in the evening, Bill Yankovy of that wrestling show will be doing the Ring of Honor Supercard of Honor alternative commentary with me. And then we get into our WrestleMania coverage. We'll have a, a re-airing of Quiet Riot, uh, Road Rage, The Attitude Era, uh, NXT Stand and Deliver, and WrestleMania Night 1. And then the next day, Night 2. Um, and then we're in, then after Raw, myself and Harry Broadhurst will be doing an Indie Ciders review of two collect one collective show and one show from last year that I have been wanting to talk about, just haven't had an opportunity to. So we'll be looking at Effie's Big Gay Brunch 2022 and P Pro Wrestling Underground's Fear the Gay Agenda, the last daddy standing. 
Yes, the all-gay death match between Paro and Effie. I cannot wait. Robert Winfrey can't wait either. Right, Robert? Well, I'd either like to wait for eternity or hurry up <laughs> so it ne- so it goes away. <laughs> I that was I was que- I was queuing you up for why do you lie to the people? I detect no lie there. Um, we have our, you, speaking of everything you just said is a show that we're doing, and I absolutely believe you are that enthusiastic about each and every <laughs> one of them. I asked you if you were excited. That's that's what I you know. Never well, mind. you asked, you didn't say. No, Robert, Win- <laughs> Robert Winfrey is totes excited for Effie's Big Gay Brunch 2020. Mark, please don't lie to the people. There we are. He said the thing, the very thing. Uh, speaking of the very thing, we have a re-airing of the Angry Birds movie review that we did from a few years ago at a time where I was like, hey, I got to take my kid to go see another kid's movie, so we have to review it. And Robert's like, how do I get off this crazy ride? Um, there was that discussion, and then the Angry Birds provided exactly one moment of genuine levity. <laughs> because, boy, did that eagle just take forever peeing into that pool. He certainly did, Ollie. Uh, and then I'll stop the plugs here. Um, we will be our next AMU Hollywood that actually focuses on a movie that was in a theater. Uh, Morbius, which apparently the critics are currently hating. So there you are. Look, there you are, Robert gonna, Winfrey. Everyone is going to hate that. Mm. Some people are still going to see it, but <laughs> I don't know. I don't think anybody's going to really enjoy it. You might get the contrarians who say that they like it, but you know. Contrarians and the, and the few children that go. All right, uh, David. Uh, you got a whole bunch of stuff coming up in May, but what's coming up with you immediately? Do you remember off the top of your uh, head? So I've got uh, hopefully Resident Alien next month. And, oh, that's uh, what I got to add you to that. Shit. Thank you for reminding me. And, uh, Star Trek Lower Decks Season 1. Yes. Adding you now. Alexis and David Wright. Yes, sir. Rebob. Good that I do these on the show so that everyone can see it. There's your invite, Dave. Yep. So Resident Alien Part 1, Season 2, and yes, uh, Lo- Star Trek Lower Deck Season 1. Finally honoring my agreement to David that we would actually do that show. All right, Robert Winfrey, you have exactly three minutes. Great. To do we, both, we both know you're not going to make my plugs into your TikTok. Well, that's true, but still three minutes. You just say three minutes? <laughs> Isn't that two minute, I, 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 <laughs> a two-minute warning? Three minute warning. Okay. Yeah, sure. Uh, you have three minutes to do your stupid tired plugs, or I'm having some Moans kick the shit out of you. <laughs> but one of them, aren't they both dead now? They might be, but at I'm, least yeah, one of them. At least one. Al- of them is. There's always an errant Samoan running around that will take a be- that will take a beating for money. Yeah, Jacob Fatu did get defeated by Mods Kruger on this latest episode of MLW Fusion. But he beat AJ Gray at uh, Savage Mode. Please continue. Well, you interrupted me because I was about to dovetail into I cover professional wrestling a few nights a week. AEW's Dark Elevation on Mondays, whatever MLW releases on Thursdays, and WWE SmackDown on Fridays. I also got, you know, Mark, I told you the other day that I was deathly afraid of being shanghaied into covering one of the nights of WrestleMania. Are you? No. Okay. It's much worse. Oh, no. I will be covering NXT Stand and Deliver on Saturday morning. Are you shitting me? They couldn't get anyone else to do that? They asked me, and I said yes. Okay. I assume they asked at least two other people before me, because that's usually how (laughs) these things work. And yeah, so 10 in the morning, my time. I get to watch NXT. 
Oh, so you'll be there with me and Christian doing alternative I have, commentary. I have not watched a single episode of NXT and since like their since like their third episode. I kept up I kept up to date on results, but I don't watch it week to week. I don't watch their specials. I'll be covering this one, I guess. <laughs> so tune in to read me dumping all over Dolph Ziggler and everything he does, because that's <laughs> one of the things I do. Yeah, when did Dolph Ziggler beat fucking Braun Breakerface for the title? Oh, a few weeks ago. He beat, I think he pinned Ciampa technically in a triple threat match. Oh my goodness, okay. Uh, I don't care. Yeah, neither I, do I. I, I. I really don't. So I'll be... <laughs> What's the way NXT 2.0 has been described? It's a show that's allegedly aimed at, you know, not like not like adults, but, you know, the early, young children. It's aimed at ages 8 to 10, but if you look at the demos and who actually watches it, it's people like 55 to 60. <laughs> and they put it on before they go to bed at night. I assume so. <laughs> so anyway, I'll be covering NXT uh, that uh, the Saturday, the Stand and Deliver episode. I also cover Mixed Martial Arts. Uh, when that becomes relevant. So this coming Saturday, I will be covering the UFC event. It's UFC and ESPN plus 63, I believe. The UFC will be back in the great state of Ohio. And they've they had a better main event at one point. That fell apart. Now we've got heavyweights. <laughs> the rest of the card, there's some decent enough fights on there. So in the MMA zone of 411mania.com on Saturday, if you're so inclined, I will be covering it. I host the 411 Ground and Pound MMA podcast. If you're interested in mixed martial arts, please do give it a listen wherever you're listening to this. You can plug that into your search engine and it will come up. So if that is a thing that interests you, please feel free to check it out. I appreciate all of the stuff that I can get. And Mark already went over some of the stuff we'll be doing next week, including another split, another double shot of Damn You Hollywood, where Mark will wax poetic about Ben Affleck's body. (laughs) And I will try desperately not to ingest cyanide on air all right well it'll be an exciting time to say the least one way or the other (laughs) all right folks thanks for joining us here in tv party tonight in our review of disenchantment season two part four for david wright for robert winfrey i'm mark radledge be well be safe and behave